Hey everyone, I hope you're really, really well. I wanted to jump in here to just welcome you to this episode. We've had a collision of worlds, a joining of forces, a banding of brothers, if you will. Sash from Principal Design and me, I'm Sean from Open Pantry Consulting. We are pleased to announce this exciting venture, Principal Hospitality. Now really it's a holistic view and look at the food and beverage industry in this country designed with hospitality professionals in mind. The website's coming soon, obviously you're listening to the podcast right now, but what we're trying to do here, our goal is to provide hospitality professionals with a platform to connect with people from all aspects of the food and beverage industry, from business owners to front of house and service staff, chefs to baristas and soms. We want to make sure that we are supporting you through this recovery in the hospitality area. So hope you're really enjoying the podcast. If you are, please make sure that you're sharing it with your friends in the industry and you're letting them listen to this because we are really putting so much time and energy and passion into this project and we want to make sure it's delivering for you. Let's get into this episode. I hope you really, really enjoy it. Welcome to Principle of Hospitality, the podcast. It is fantastic to have you listening along, so thanks for tuning in. Rebar is the world's first permanent no-waste bar and it's set to open in the newly restored South Everly Precinct in March this year. It's an inspiring collaboration between the hospitality heavyweights, Matt from Scout and Maurice from Iceberg's Dining Room of Bar here in Sydney. Rebar is a bar built from the ground up to be the world's best and with the kind of drinks program that Matt Wiley does and is known for on a global stage, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. So it's fantastic to have Matt on the podcast today. Matt, so thanks so much for being on the podcast. Um, how did you actually start out in the industry um, and, and get going? Because I think that would be a really good story to tell. Yeah, it kind of started by accident, really. I think most people in hospitality, it happens by accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to be a cricket player when I was younger. No way. And that was quite kind of... 15, 20 years ago when being a professional cricket player was a little bit different to how it is now. Mm-hmm. Now they're cricketers are athletes, whereas back then it was kind of very social. Yes. It was, it was, we were always on the kind of on the circuit of going out when we were young. Um, and we got to know a lot of the, the bartenders and the bar managers and in different venues. And when I, when I stopped playing because of injury, um, mm-hmm probably 16, 17 years ago now. Mm-hmm. I was just, it was a kind of a natural progression from a drunk sportsman to, I was in a bar, in, in a bar on a Friday night and um, the manager asked me if, if I could help because someone didn't, didn't turn up for work. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of at a crossroads. I didn't, didn't really know what I, what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I kind of could have carried on playing cricket probably a little bit, um, but I couldn't throw and, and I wanted to be good. I'm really competitive. So I kind of, knew that I had to stop playing cricket. Um, and I jumped on the, jumped on the bar for an event and I was awful. Right. Really terrible. But I had, but I had one of the best times ever. I really enjoyed interacting with people. I enjoyed the social aspect, but I also enjoyed actually having a different skill. 
um, and learning something new. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of neat. He had another event the night after. He asked me if I would work again, and it kind of snowballed from there, really. And um, and I obviously had a few few friends in town, so I seeked out their advice and asked them about Martin and asked them to train me. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really competitive, so I like being better at something. I'm not saying good, but I like being, I like getting better and improving. Mm-hmm. Was it coming from, you know, when you first sort of started out, was it what you thought it was going to be or did you have no sort of preconceived ideas of what bartending or working behind a bar was actually going to be like? I think, I think bartending back then was exactly what you would expect it to be like. Yes. It, it was much more of a party. There was a, like a, a real party vibe and it was kind of, you worked really hard, but you kind of played hard on your days off as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's changed a lot since then. Mm-hmm. There's obviously there's obviously a, an aspect of that where there's, a, there's certain venues where people would still party and there's like a, this party atmosphere, but nightclubs, there's not as many nightclubs around anymore. And there's a lot more um, sit, sitting down drinking. There's less vertical drinking. Yes. So the, the, the atmosphere of our people interacting, drinking the bars has changed. So um it definitely was like it was then but it's definitely changed now yeah how did it how did it come about that you came to sort of be in australia and and start to do this project um uh with maurice in sydney because obviously you've got a fantastic you know london accent so like (laughs) how did it come about we scout we've been open for a few years and it was Mm -hmm. kind of getting established in london Mm -hmm. um my wife She's born and bred London. I, I'm I'm from Nottingham, and I'd moved mm-hmm. to London around 13 years before. And she she'd always wanted to experience living somewhere else. She wanted to she wanted to live where where the, the climate was better. She wanted and and so did I. I was I was getting a bit older, yep. and it, it was time to maybe look at how we were going to get older and in a different city. Yes. Um. So she'd actually never been to Australia before, and, and she was putting all her faith and trust in me. Um, and we'd all, we'd kind of set, started the visa process and we we're, we we're looking at moving to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of in the August, we were planning to move in November in the, in the August time, the iceberg guys got in touch with me via email and asked me if I would be interested in flying over to, to do a bring scout to the icebergs and do a pop-up for a night and then mm-hmm. do an evening at the dolphin. Wow. Um, so I kind of packed all my booze and flew Sydney for, for three nights. Wow. Three or four nights. Um and then it's on the Saturday I, we were doing prep. I met I met with Morris and kind of hit it off. We did the pop up. It was really busy and huge success. And he kind of asked me what my what my plans were and I told him I was moving to Melbourne and he he kind of pondered on it a little bit. And the next day he was like, would you, would you ever consider doing something in Sydney? Mm. Um and I was like, hell yeah. Um it was I was really excited by that. So then the conversation grew over the next sort of month into October and then we totally changed our angle. We were like, let's go, let's go to Sydney and and they we did the scout pop up for the uh, in, on top of the dolphin. Wow. And it kind of carried on from there really. Did it did it feel a bit surreal when that sort of happened? You know, you come here for a you know, for a, a cool event, what you think it was a pop up for three days and then and then all of a sudden you've got this collaboration that had sort of started. Was that was that what you were hoping for? Like you get you get on a plane from London and, and it's 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 still summer, but it's not like it's not summer like here. And yeah. then you you like 
you arrive at night, you wake up in the morning, you walk out in, on Bondi and there's like people surfing and this, and you like walk into icebergs and it's this, it's incredibly surreal. And there's not, there's not many restaurants with the same feeling that icebergs give you when you're sat on top of the ocean. Yeah. Um, so I, I was literally mind blown by, by the venue. And then my wife, and then I flew my wife to the other side of the world and she was like, it was raining when we landed. It was <laughs> the weather was awful, and I was like, "Just, just bear with me. Let's just you'll, it'll change in the morning." And it, and it did. We, we went to we went and saw the saw the beach, and it was yeah. It was, and just sitting there, having taken a meeting after getting off the plane for twenty four hours, was this roller coaster of like two months of we're going to Melbourne, we're going to now we're going to Sydney, and and now there's she's she's like i can't you if you'd have told me to melbourne i'd have divorced you it was like <laughs> no, she, she absolutely loves it yeah she she loves she loves the beach she loves the ocean and and the lifestyle that living in and around bondi gives us and the total opposite of what our life was like in london and mm. yeah we're, we're especially in the last year we're really really thankful to, to be here mm-hmm. was are there any major differences between sort of London bars and, and Australian bars, especially Sydney bars, as you sort of see it? Like, was there any sort of stark comparisons? I think um, so. I think, I think because of the sheer volume of population difference mm. and the amount of international travellers that all come through London, yes, I think, th- and there's a there's such a vast amount of bars. There's 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 five great bars on every street. Yeah, so, and so to. To have that level of competition, it, it pushes people in a, in a, I think bars are a lot more creative and they live a little bit more on the edge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, what can be a cocktail yes. and how creative you can be because it doesn't matter if there's some people don't like it because there's other people that do. Yep. Whereas here, you, I think you have to please a few more people. You have to be a little bit safer. Interesting. And plus the climate's different as well. There's... You don't necessarily want to be drinking like stirred down and boozy drinks all the time when it's like 35 degrees outside. Do you want yep. something long and spritzy and, you know, you want to be able to have a couple of them because you want to be refreshed. Yeah. So has that, has that made you think about, you know, the the alcohol programs that you sort of put up and making sure that you're sort of reflecting that a bit more or are you allowed to sort of pull some stuff from the UK? I think I think actually it's a, it's a good business model. Like getting people to drink four drinks instead of two is is. <laughs> It, work, it works from a business sense. Yes. But also, it's mindful of the fact that of how much alcohol people are drinking at the same time. Yes. Um, so I think it, it's, it's, it works in every different aspect. And you have to play to, this, to the strengths of your local market. You can't. You, it's, it's dumb to... to Upon making steps forward, there's going to yeah. be roadblocks. Things are going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be delays. People are going to not have the response that you thought they were. But yeah. then there'll be... A whole bunch of people that will support you, and that's what we found as well, which has been amazing. Yes, uh, as we've gotten into the startup world and the whole um, industry, we've had so many people help us along the way, and that's been critical. Yeah, um, and opening up to receiving that help mm. is quite an important aspect as well. Yes, um, typically people who are like us, sort of like really driven and entrepreneurial, you're you want to do it all yourself and yes. um, you want to take it all on your own shoulders. But mm. actually, uh, it's really important just to say, well, okay, this isn't in our skill set. We don't know this. Reach out to people that do and people are so happy to help. So that's been 
yeah, it's been a really amazing journey. Do you think it's been beneficial to have each other as well? 100%. I don't know how we would have um, done it as individuals mm. because you you always need someone else there. When you're having a down day or you can't yeah. think of the solution or, or whatever it is to um, boost you up and keep going and uh, just the workload as well. Yes. Uh, we had a few people in our – we did an accelerator program through mm. the Taronga Zoo, which was called Hatch. Mm-hmm. There was a few individual um, founders, mm-hmm. and we could see how much more of a um, difficulty it was for them yeah. not having a co-founder to support them along the way. Yeah, yeah, I bet. That's, that's what I like about it as well, and that's when I've sort of, you know, talked to a lot of founders on this podcast and how I've seen this successful is actually having two – having co-founders, no matter how many there are – who actually have involvement in the business, not just a financial stake in a business. You know, with businesses, they have they call themselves co-founders, but there's a silent co-founder who sort of sits in the background but provides all the cash. Like, that's not how this is done, obviously, and that's that's why I really like it, and I think it's going to be extremely successful. Like, it's really obvious to me. Let's talk about a time that you wanted to give up. Was there a moment in which you were doing a recipe one night and you were just looking at each other and it didn't work for the 56th time that you were trying to make a cup? Or you couldn't decide on the name and it was just giving you the proverbials and stuff like that. Was there ever a point or was it just a total leaning on each other all the time and that's what got you through? Never was a time. Like I, we never got to the point that you're going to give up. This, there's always solution. Yes. There is always something else that you can do. There is always another person that you can reach out to. Mm. It has been moments that it was really difficult. Yes. Like i give you an example for us to um, customize the equipment that we wanted was mm. a really, really long process, yeah. but we never gave up. Like we went all over the board. Wow. And, um, and we finally found it. Yeah. It took time, but we found it. Yes. And um, still was not a point like, oh, let's forget about this. Let's move on to the next idea. We mm-hmm. really believed in it and we worked really hard to make mm-hmm. it happen. Mm-hmm. And this is just the start. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even launched yet. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, we are so excited to go to the next steps and mm. um, see good Eddie Cops in every single cafes and mm-hmm. minimize the waste. Like, yeah. we can do this. <laughs> <laughs> totally agree. Um, you guys have co-founded, uh, sorry, co-founded this, obviously, Sean, but you have um, crowdfunded this. So what, what was the reason why you decided to crowdfund um, rather than, like, any other ways to sort of, you know, to maybe get equity in from other partners or, or something like that? What was the decision made to try and crowdfund it? Well, we, as part of our accelerator program, and we got put in contact with a crowdfunding platform and we'd looked at all the different ways that you could get funding. Yep. And we um, are looking, still looking at different avenues as well. Mm-hmm. But we started with the crowdfunding. Uh, we really wanted to use it not only just to try and get funds, yep. but also to test the market. Yeah. Because ours was a product, uh, like a reward-based crowdfunder, right. which means that when people, people are not just pledging money, yep. they are buying the product or like basically pre-ordering the product. Yeah, right, okay. So that was so valuable for us because it meant that we could actually see, do people want to buy yeah, that's a great um, these cups? Mm-hmm. And um, we found that they did. Mm-hmm. And so we had um, one option on there, a couple of options that were for consumers, mm-hmm. for people that can buy them for at-home use. Yes. And also the cafe options. And uh, we had people buying 
all of the different options, so loads of consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also got um, contact with a few really good uh, cafes that have mm-hmm. pre-ordered on the platform. Mm-hmm. And that was a great validation. Mm-hmm. So that also just helped us to really see what works in terms of marketing. Yes, of course. So we were trying to market and get people driving them towards the crowdfunding campaign and seeing if they were making a purchase. Mm-hmm. And we found what worked and what didn't. Yes. Uh, so that was a really good test of the market as well. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's been harder, like, trying to develop a B2B product rather than a B2C product? Or, is, or do you think it's made it easier for you because you know you sort of who your end customer is in a way? Uh, I think for sure it's harder to do a B2B product. Yeah. Um, B2C is, you know, it's much easier to access consumers. Yes. Uh, consumers are online, they're on social media. Uh, it's much easier to sort of connect with them. Yes. Uh, and so just being able to get into that market and connect with the right people from a B2B perspective mm. um, has been a bit more challenging. Yeah, right. What? Because we're taping this in, in February... Um, you haven't launched yet. When are you, when are you actually going to um, launch this amazing product? So we are going to um, launch the product beginning of April. Mm-hmm. So our, um, we are on track with our plan. So cool. all the equipment um, are in the process of being received very soon in March. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are securing the production space. So hopefully early April, mm-hmm. we start producing good Eddie Cups here wow. in Melbourne. Wow. And any just are you going to start producing just for people in Victoria, or are you going to try and do other states in Australia? Like, what's your what's your sort of goal for the first couple of months? We definitely focus on, uh, in Victoria, but uh, definitely we would like to have the cafes on board from other states. Um, yeah. So we really want to work with uh, cafes that they care about environment, they care about sustainability. So if they are in Australia, um, we would welcome them to support us and have our product uh, stocked in their cafe yeah I, I think from probably the research you've done like victoria is probably the best place to launch a product like this you would think wouldn't you definitely the clientele is quite different like mm. um the conversation that we have in with cafes in melbourne sustainability mm. minimizing waste is we don't need to talk about it that much yeah. it's just everybody is aware of it mm-hmm. uh, in other states it might be different but um, we would we can say like um, the awareness is much higher and they are more open to sustainable products. Mm. In other states, they're all like we can say also in Queensland is the same. Like yeah, we see a lot of uh, positive response from Queensland, mm-hmm. and they have contacted us and they have asked for our samples. So we see that they are really ready. They are waiting for a solution like this. Yeah. Um, but there is there are other angles to our product. It's new. It's uh, fun. It's yes. uh, something that hasn't done before. So we get inquiries from that perspective as well. Like people love to try new things and um, have it in their cafe. Yeah. Are you finding, if I can ask you, like when when people are asking you for the product or asking you when the product's going to be released, are they even asking about the price? Like are they, are they just focused on the fact that it is such a sustainable product and, and that kind of thing? Because I imagine it's obviously competitive with watching market. But are they are they worried about that kind of thing or are they just – they really want to support a product like this going to market? Yes and no. Like mm. we have um, majority of the cafes they ask because mm. this is important, this is b- part of their cost. Sure. Um, but 
it has happened that they haven't asked either like oh this is a great solution how we should be how should be we can be involved so we have had those comments as well <laughs> <laughs> do you think you'd want to develop it into potentially any other this is really early days because you haven't launched it yet so i apologize um, but i'm thinking on the fly here as we're talking like do you think you could develop into any other kind of products like a you know a bowl for salad brands or or something like that or are you just are you just sort of happy with using it for coffee and teas and that kind of stuff at the moment yeah absolutely i think mm-hmm. there's so many opportunities um with this type of product and mm. once we've really got that really good understanding of the technology uh, and we've got the cup nailed then of course we can move on to some other products mm. um first we're also going to develop some different variants of the cup yes um one of our first steps will be to try and make a gluten-free option right uh, that's quite important in the market at the moment and we get a lot mm. of questions uh, regarding that. So, yeah, we'll look at developing something like that and, and also some flavour options as well. Like, Oh, cool. Yeah. So lots of exciting things coming up. But like you said, we need to get, we need to get <laughs> going on the, first, on the OG version. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you're two months away and you're already calling it the OG. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, like we talked about support before. Like is there... Uh, outside of like um, the accelerator program that you've had and each other, like is has there been any other points of contact which have been really important to support you through this process? Because starting any kind of business, but especially something involved in food, um, where you're producing a product yourself, like is really really tough um, emotionally, physically, everything, right? Financially, obviously. Like, where have you guys pulled your support from outside of yourselves? Well, we, as part of the Accelerator program, we had a lot of mentors that were mm. um, supporting us through that. Yes. And that has been absolutely invaluable. Yeah. We couldn't have got so quickly to the point that we are now yes. without their advice. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some areas that we had no clue about, um, particularly like the financial side and marketing as yeah. well. Yep. And um, we've gotten some great connections through that and then not only the mentors but then we will talk to people and they'll connect us with a friend or a colleague or (laughs) someone else in the industry and and, um, we'll suddenly be connected to the right person that can help us answer Mm. that question. So that's been the single biggest thing I think uh, that's meant that we've been able to accelerate this whole startup part. Has has that surprised you that people have sort of gone, oh, I know this person or you know, um, this person would be a really good contact for you? Or did you just sort of naturally feel that was going to happen? Because coming out of corporate life, because I've never dealt in corporate life, um, sorry, I lie once, Um, like that kind of doesn't exist, right? But it does in the hospitality industry. Like, were you guys surprised coming from outside the industry? So surprised. (laughs) And you're exactly right. Mm. In our industry that we've been in, in the corporate world, Nothing comes for free. Yeah. People are often not willing to go out of their way yes. for you if there's nothing in it for them. Yes. And that's what we've just found so like humbling and, and amazing mm. is that we've had people that have absolutely no obligation to help us mm-hmm. and they do and they go out of their way and um, it's, yeah, that's been really surprising and really mm-hmm. amazing too. Mm-hmm. Two more questions before I let you guys um, go. What advice would you give to people who are starting their own business now? Like going through this process of, you know, they've got a concept, they've got an idea, 
and they and they want to take it to market like it could be a bricks and mortar thing it could be a product like you guys are doing like what are the couple of things that you think are a good piece of advice if i can ask you um first thing i would say be very clear about the purpose why mm. you want to do this yes. um that helps you along the way yes and uh that those values that you build from the very uh, beginning mm-hmm. that's very important be very structured yeah map everything that needs to be done as much as you can mm. and somehow organize it like put yeah. it in your calendar put it in any app that you got yes make it happen like it is step by step there's no shortcut mm. so mm-hmm. those steps needs to be mapped needs to be done and mm-hmm. then finally you get where you want mm. and third is um, be open to receive advice and gu- guidance there is not um, one single person that knows everything ask for help be open to that and there are amazing people who have done this before who have extensive experience and they are willing to help yeah um and doing accelerator program is one channel yes but also just having a conversation asking for people's support you will find the people that um they are happy to support you and you will find your way to get where you want to get um mm. in a more perfect way yeah yeah i'd imagine um when you're dealing with all the craziness and everything changing all the time like have you have you guys structured regular meetings to make sure that you're always coming back to like the central point of why you started because i can imagine you know you're talking about supply chain you're talking about a particular cafe that might have you know uh wanted to be a part of it you're doing podcasts with people like me you're doing you know people with who have never run a business have all of a sudden giving you business advice you know all these kind of things that are happening all the same time like you are you having regular meetings every day or every week or like how are you planning it out we have a meeting first thing in the morning every day. Cool. And we spend an hour on Good Eddie. And yeah, yeah. we, you know, do emails or do whatever it is on our to-do list. We're very mm-hmm. structured. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, yeah, we always have that. I think we're driven by the purpose of what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. And so it's always good to reflect back on that and say, you know, with every decision, say it's, Packaging. We yeah. want it to be the most sustainable thing because we're trying to achieve this whole waste-free alternative. Yeah. Uh, so it comes into every decision that we make that mm. we're reflecting back on what is our what is our purpose. Yeah. Now you've touched on that. I need to ask. Like, has that been really really hard to figure out in regards to how this product is moved? So how f- how far you go down the line of talking about sustainability in a brand like this? Because you could go so deep into different different parameters of supply chain. Like, has that been hard to say, okay, well, that's that's enough. That's where we're going to stop for now in regards to, you know, using cardboard packaging and making sure it's recycled or something like that when you guys deliver it or, or that kind of thing? Yeah, it's been very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, but what we do, we do our best. Yeah. And when we cannot find solution, then we ask other people. And yes. then when other people don't know, then we try to see if there is something that even we have ordered and we received, it's just basically working so mm. any channel that we can look into and find alternative than the solution that uh, basically answers our need we look yes. into that but yes. it is not easy like doing sustainable uh, ethical work and production it's not easy it's not yeah. easy to set it up and but we don't give up so <laughs> we do our best to make to make it happen yeah. and um 
yeah, we, we believe sustainability is not about one single thing that you produce. It's about the value chain that you are creating. Yeah, great point. Um, and uh, you, we, it is our responsibility to look into that. And yes. there's no other, other organization or other party to look into that. So if mm. we can build it um, correctly from the beginning, then um, that's the right thing to do. Yeah. I think as well, the thing I've really noticed about the brand standing up against other brands um, in this space, which are all you know trying to do fantastic things, is the honesty that you guys are coming to market with is really, really powerful. And I think I think you're right. Like you can try your best, right? And and it's going to improve and develop over time. So um, hats off to you both. Um, now, normally my last question is um, for everyone on the podcast is what are you looking forward to most in 2021? Now, I don't need, you know, any money to um, understand what you're both looking forward to in 2021. <laughs> but maybe maybe on a personal basis, like take yourself outside of work for a second. Like what are you looking forward to most in this year as we come out of lockdown and um, hopefully stay out of lockdown and positivity this year? Catherine? Yeah, I just think, uh, well, obviously, like you mm. said, uh, we're so excited to get started up and get out into the industry and just to... Like personally, along with Good Eddie, I'm starting to make a difference and seeing the impact of what we're doing. Yeah. And seeing our product go out into the market and mm. people reacting to it, mm-hmm. it is going to be so fun and exciting. And that's going to be a huge like personal growth as well as professional growth as we dive more deeper into this mm-hmm. business. So I think, yeah, just really exciting. Cool. What about you, Annie? Same. <laughs> really, I can't wait to see the product is out there. I really want to feel that energy that people mm. are consuming. It It is out there with the cafes and get the result. Um, and soon, basically, we see the impact. We really want to, you know, we have been talking about it and we've been working on it, but share, share that with other people. So yep. really look forward to that and... Um, and then we basically build the next steps, how we can scale and uh, how we can get, take it to more to the other states and perhaps over, even overseas. Yeah, such exciting times. Um, ladies, where's the best way that people can find out about um, Good Eddie and, and um, how to purchase the product and connect with you guys? So first of all, you can go on our Instagram and you mm-hmm. can follow us. That's at good underscore Eddie. Mm-hmm. It's our handle. And the Eddie is E-D-I. Easy. And on our website as well, mm-hmm. we're just about to launch our new website, which is going to have online ordering oh, cool. uh, shop. Mm-hmm. And that's at www.good-eddy.com. Cool. As always, linked up in the show notes of this podcast. Um, and thank you to South of Johnston for having us in this uh, amazing cafe. You can hear a couple of the clanging in the background. We like to be in cafes doing fantastic podcasts. Um, Catherine and Anio, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Principle of Hospitality, the podcast. I hope you really got something out of it. As I said at the start of the podcast, if you can like, comment and share this with people either inside the industry or people outside the industry which you think are going to find it valuable, then it would mean the world to us at Poe. So please do that. Also wanted to make sure that I'm actually introducing 
my co-founder Sash Fernando from Principal Design, one of the most amazing design studios in Melbourne, if not the country. They're award-winning. They are dealing in strategy, branding, digital design and graphic design. So make sure you just check them out at principaldesign.com.au. And if you don't know me and what I do, I come from over 20 years in the hospital industry and I've got my brand called Open Pantry Consulting. So all you need to do is go to openpantryconsulting.com and you'll be able to find out everything that I involve myself with in this fantastic industry. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. It's going to be an exciting 2021 for us. We're looking forward to sharing it with you. Until next time, please stay safe and look after each other. We've come like regulars for a year and not even not even know because mm. all they just want to sit at the bar and drink a Negroni and a beer. Sure. Um, you know, we, we will still cater for people who just want a beer on tap. Mm-hmm. We'll still cater for people who just want a glass of sparkling wine at the end of a long day and they, or they're celebrating. Yep. We'll, we'll still cater for someone who just wants to come in and eat those puffed beef tendons because they're delicious Yeah. on their way back to the train. But at the same, at the same time, we'll, we'll be there if people were interested. Mm-hmm. Where do you... Where do you? I know we're early days, actually pre-opening this um, while we're recording this. But are you thinking that you want to recreate Rebar in other places, or are you trying with your? Obviously, you talked about before about you know the ten bars that you want to work with, and and obviously slowly build communication and and ways of working together. Is that is that where you sort of see the legacy of what you're trying to do here, Matt? I think ultimately. That we've, we started out as, as having this bar that we were going to do a little bit of education around what we do. So mon, mon, I'm not touched on the other Mondays will be like an education day for what we'll, mm-hmm. but non, non-industry. Okay. We will communicate with people in the area that if you're interested in a whiskey tasting or if you're interested in how you might be able to repurpose things from your fridge that you're going to put in the bin into food and drink, we'll be holding educational classes and we're, we're going to wait till we've opened a little bit first and mm-hmm. got into our space and then we'll then we'll start talking and discussing those. But Mondays, we we won't trade as a bar. We'll be an education platform. Wow. So it kind of started out as this like education platform slash cocktail bar mm-hmm. that was going to focus on waste. And then as we've kind of communicated to various different people about what we're doing, Re as a bar is an, an idea has grown exponentially in the last year. Mm-hmm. So now there's, there's plans, all kinds of plans for how we do the circular economy in Sydney, how we grow that from 10 bars to 100 bars, how, how do we take that to, to Melbourne? Mm-hmm. How do we take that to every the major cities in Australia? Does that translate to, you know, New York? Yes. Yeah. Where, where we, or a city in America where recycling is non-existent. Mm. Um, there's, but to take, that's like obviously a big picture and how how we've even discussed like, is there a marketplace for waste? Can instead of me, like I sat in, sat in with one of the another EPA, mm-hmm. and they, they kind of said, "What would you do with two tons of cucumber?" <laughs> and I was like, at the, at the at the time of of doing prep in my kitchen because I don't have a bar because we're waiting to open. Yes, and we can't travel anywhere, so there's it, not very much. <laughs> but it, it's kind of got. There was a few of us on the call and it kind of got the conversation going like how 
what would we do with two tons of cucumbers? What would we do with four ton or five tons of pumpkin after Halloween? Yeah. So, you know, and this was offered to us. There's mm-hmm. a grower who grew cucumber based on the previous year's sales of what he grew and sold. Right. And, and restaurants were closed, so we had a glut of produce. Mm-hmm. And it like, why don't why don't we look at how we can work with growers to get produce and we put them into a market that the industry can log into and then they can get produce for free. Mm. Because it's great is is cucumber that is good that it can't be sold it's just because there's such a vast amount of it. Yes. And do, and how do we interact with the, the industry in Sydney to start off with? Do they have login details for our website and they place an order and they pay a service charge. So that service charge is for the, the delivery and the guy who delivers it for you mm-hmm. with a small percentage that gets put into a pot and then that gets distributed with everyone who's given us produce. So they're not going without. Yes. And this obviously it's not something that happens overnight. <laughs> And this is like this is like a master plan, but without without having a bar that shows that you can make money by doing this a different way, and having a blueprint of how to do it, the whole thing falls apart. Yeah, there's yeah. this whole big plan of what we can do and how we can do it, mm-hmm. but the little cog at the bottom that started out as the main cog, the bar, has to be successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have to, we have to make money. We have to show people that this is that this is this can be a way of, of doing things, and and it's a way that it helps you as a as a business owner, but it also helps the environment at the same time. Yeah, you're actually you're actually looking to prove it, and there's no there's no doubt in my mind that you you and the team are going to do that, Matt. Like it's just so inspirational. Like just listening to what you guys are what you're doing. Like I think you're doing everything right by the industry and, and bringing to uh, bringing together people um, on mass, which is just such an important part of this, this journey for you. So I really appreciate it. Um, Thanks mate. I want to, I want to ask one question, one final question, um, which I'd normally ask all of my guests at the end of the podcast. And, and that's what are you, what are you most looking forward to this year? And I can probably, you know, guess very easily what you're most looking forward to this year. Um, but maybe on a personal basis away from this fantastic bar concept, like, what, are you, what else are you looking forward to this year? I've been really fortunate in the last year because of kind of the way that the world's gone and I've actually had a lot of downtime. Mm-hmm. So if you'd have asked me this question last year, I'd have been like, I'm really looking forward to to seeing a bit of the country. Yes. Um, but yeah, I've, I've seen a little bit of it, but now the borders are re- reopening and because they've been closed, I'm, it's the one thing I'm really excited to do is get out and, you know, see rural Australia. Yes. Um, we're planning on we're planning on doing a drive straight through the center of Australia. Wow! From, from Cairns to Perth. That's a long drive. <laughs> yeah, we, we're we're setting aside eight between eight and ten days. Yep. Yeah. Um, to just to to understand one because it's it's the adventures like it excites me a lot, but mm. two is just just to see what Australia is. Mm see to start in the rainforest drive through the desert mm. just just to understand the people just who live in this country but also just to, that sense of adventure of like being free to to, to do something like that yeah 100 percent. that's one of the things i'm other than actually standing behind a bar and physically making a cocktail for someone <laughs> which i'm really excited to do um i mean yeah, i'm excited to to travel and to to connect with nature again mm-hmm um, that's going to be an exciting time, mate. I've been lucky enough to live around different parts of the country and um, 
doing the drive. I did the drive from Perth to Adelaide before across an Alibor, and that was a that was a big that was a big deal for two or three days. So um, I think you're gonna have some fun, <laughs> Matt. What's the best way that people can find out about Rebar and what you guys are doing? We have a, a website which is um, weare.com.au, mm-hmm. which in the middle is just a holding page, but you can sign up for newsletters. Mm-hmm. Um, but also on uh, Instagram is where we're, we're most um, active, mm-hmm. which is at underscore weare. Beautiful. As always, linked up in the show notes of this podcast, Matt Wiley, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, mate. <laughs> so much for listening to this episode of principle of hospitality the podcast i hope you really got something out of it as i said at the start of the podcast if you can like comment and share this with people either inside the industry or people outside the industry which you think are going to find it valuable then it would mean the world to us so please do that also wanted to make sure that i'm actually introducing co-founder Sash Fernando from Principal Design, one of the most amazing design studios in Melbourne, if not the country. They're award-winning. They are dealing in strategy, branding, digital design and graphic design. So make sure you just check them out at principaldesign.com.au. And if you don't know me and what I do, I come from over 20 years in the hospital industry and I've got my brand called Open Pantry Consulting. So all you need to do is go to openpantryconsulting.com and you'll be able to find out everything that I involve myself with in this fantastic industry. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. It's going to be an exciting 2021 for us. We're looking forward to sharing it with you. Until next time, please stay safe and look after each other. Thank you.